You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. What's up, ugly bags of mostly water? Alan Seiler. If anyone has to go, now's the time. Do not make me turn this car around. <laughs> Veronica Daschle. Puppets are the best. And Vanny Beth Glenn. That's not how linguistics works. <laughs> Welcome back, Vanny Beth. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. I'm always happy to join you. Yay. It's always a pleasure to have you with us. Definitely. Thank you. All right, Alan, do we have some news this week? Uh, we have news this week. Two items. First of all, there was an article that came out this past week all about spoilers. Well, not spoilers, but a little preview for the upcoming um, season two of Strange New Worlds. Now, without going into any details about any of the stuff that they hinted at, there was one other little interesting tidbit that I thought was kind of noteworthy. Uh, they said that they're currently in production on three different episodes, the season two finale for Strange New Worlds and the two-part season opener for Discovery season five, which, according to the article, is 10 episodes. Mm. Now, that's a big change from yeah. everything that we've yeah. had from Disco up to this point. Disco's always been 13, except for the first season was a little bit longer than that. But the other ones have all been 13. And now we have 10, it sounds like, if the information in this article is correct. Yeah. Question, um, based on what you're saying, Alan, based on what we said before, do you think cutting it from 13 to 10 might make for a better, tighter season? Well, and that's that's kind of why I brought this up, because we have mm -hmm. mentioned a number of times you know, like I always kind of liked the idea of disco being sort of like the flagship and it having a bigger presence than all the other shows and all the other shows having the, the mm -hmm. 10 episodes and it having more to do. But we have noted on the last two seasons that and especially this last one where it just seemed like the arc just kind of got away from them, maybe. Yeah, and maybe 13 was just more than the story arc could handle. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Of course, at the same time, Picard season two had 10 episodes and I struggled right. with the pacing in that too. So, I mean, it, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no right. guarantees, but you know, I'm not really surprised we're bringing you in line with what the other shows are doing. Yeah. Right. I agree. As, as, if nothing else, it's easier to schedule everything. Right. Um, so the other item is um, news from IDW and they have a couple of big announcements that came out this past week. One is that Lower Decks is uh, being added to the IDW Star Trek lineup and they're getting a three issue miniseries. Uh, the first issue will be coming out with four different variant covers. And the second item is that there is a big 400th issue. It's an oversized anthology that is going to be the 400th release in their Star Trek line of issues. And both of these projects are going to be timed with the 15th anniversary of IDW's license with the Star Trek property. So the 400th Star Trek issue is going to be, uh, it's going to have a number of different things. It's going to have a bunch of different like one shots, a Kayla Detmer issue, uh, a couple of other things like that, plus a special 
next generation story written by Will Wheaton. Okay. Interesting. So, yes, exactly. Very. And uh, it, the four, I don't know when the hmm. uh, Lower Decks one launches, but the 400th issue comes out on September 7th, which is one day before Star Trek Day. Awesome. That's the news for the week. Well, thanks for that. And Keith, do you have some This Week in Trek this week? Yeah, I got three quick items, which I thought were kind of apropos because we're talking about new Trek. Um, the first one... I really can't for the life. Yeah, I can think of one. This is God. This is give it away so quickly. This person was born on the 27th of June, 1940. And then there's a line, kill him, kill him. I'm the captain. I'm the captain. Kill him, please. Is that Janice Lester? It's nobody else. Yes. <laughs> Sandra Smith. That, that, whoa. Okay, dude. Okay. Yeah. I I didn't always know this stuff. <laughs> Not always. No kidding. I even I, I hate to say it, it sounds arrogant. Even I didn't know her name. I'm like, <laughs> Ollie knew her as Janet Lester. Um, a problematic episode. I thought it was uh, relevant to mention because, of course, that was the final episode of the third season of Star Trek. And obviously, at that time, everybody, when they wrapped that show, thought the Star Trek was gone forever. Everybody from Roddenberry on down. But of course, the the letter writing campaigns were continuing. The ones that had started the third that allowed the third season to come. It's a problematic episode because it's funny now. People people have retconned what it meant. Now, in the universe of Star Trek, of course, what Janice Lester was saying makes no sense now. Because we know now that in that time period that you cannot say that there were no female captains. But I know for a fact that at the time that show was written, Roddenberry absolutely meant that women couldn't be starship captains at that time. And the reason and the people debated that for years. And a lot of people said, well, no, Janice Lester was just crazy. And she was making up the fact that women couldn't be starship captains. But I actually did some digging a while back and um, found an interview with both Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner who said that, no, they talked to Gene, and the, the idea was, yeah, they still didn't let women be starship captains in that time, and they both protested the plot of that show, mm. which I, I thought was very interesting. Of course, it is the time, you know, the times were what the times were, Sure. and then later on, we got female captains, so not a very good episode, um, probably some of Kirk's hammiest acting, but that's <laughs> how that thing went out. <laughs> Notable, though, because Sandra Smith was the first person besides William Shatner to play Captain Kirk, and I think she was great. I agree. She did a fantastic job. Too bad she couldn't have been a Starship captain, actually, True. right? Yep. Yeah. Next one, 27th of June, 1966. And I'm just going to do a quote from this one. And this will probably throw my bias. <laughs> Growing up, I never understood why anyone would watch Star Trek. I didn't understand how they could get into the characters. But now that I've worked on it, now that I've been a part of it, I love these characters. And I get it. Oh, wait. This was, this was, this was newer. Um, well, it's somebody who didn't like Star Trek at first. <laughs> yeah i'm picturing this interview <laughs> okay. well, i heard this i think on like jay it's leno a female, right no okay uh, <laughs> i'm gonna have to go ahead and swing big for the fences just think of the series felicity and who was who did that jj abrams jj abrams right oh. yeah jay and that's why i said my bias because we all know how i feel about new track um <laughs> that was that was a quote i saw jj abrams say on the tonight show years ago when he was asked about star trek and the thing that frustrated me although i do like new track um was that statement was he said growing up i just didn't get it i didn't understand why anybody would like that show and i, I and for those of us who were kind of like predisposed to start disliking him the statement that now that i'm part of it i get it and i love it it's always kind of stuck with me but <laughs> I still like the new track stuff. And he's a he's a fantastic producer, director. I give him credit for that. Mm -hmm. It was a great Star Wars tryout. 
<laughs> I agree completely. And then the last one, um, and then of course I mentioned JJ because he started what we call new track. So the first one, Sandra Smith ushered out the old track. JJ ushered in the new track. And then this one ushered in a different type of track. And I don't have anything to go, so I'll just say this. On the 29th of June, 1989, was the premiere of The Emissary. Mm. Okay. Nice. Yes, that ushered in a completely different type of track, which was Deep mm-hmm. Space Nine, which you almost ca- want to call The Experiment. Because nobody <laughs> thought the thing was going to succeed, <laughs> but it did. Yeah, we watched it. Boy, how? Yeah, and you know, you think about. Uh, we've always talked about this. Is that Voyager came into production r- around that same time, and we all know the legend. The fact was, the people behind Voyager got so busy that they finally left DS Nine alone. Mm-hmm. And you wonder what would DS Nine have been if those other folks had managed to keep their hands in DS Nine's. Mm, I don't want to. No. Yeah, I loved it. Iris Stephen Bear and Robert Hewitt Wolf and Renee Echeverria and the whole gang, like they got to do their own thing with it. And yeah. I think it worked out great. Absolutely. And now it's so many people's favorite Star Trek episode. Oh, uh, yeah. Series. Yes. And that's Week in Trek History. Awesome. We'll take a quick break to promote a fellow ESO Network podcast show. And then when we come back, we'll get into our discussion topic. So stay right there. If you were a monster kid growing up, if you enjoyed Saturday mornings watching Monster Movie Matinee or staying up all night watching the Midnight Feature, then Monster Attack is the podcast for you. We not only look at classic old monster movies, we share our experience growing up as a monster kid. Join us every Monday for Monster Attack. So for our topic this week, Vandy Beth, you brought this to us. I wanted to let you uh, sort of cue it up for us. Yeah, seems like I'm always talking about Vulcans. That's, <laughs> that's okay. That's probably just because I want to be one. Because um, <laughs> I think I'm, generally I'm too emo- emotional. Emotional as a... Oh, in fact, you know, I was wearing this very same shirt the first time my fiancé told me I'm too sentimental. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Anyway... <laughs> Um, uh, I would love to be a Vulcan um, for that reason and and because of the ears, of course. Um, And I've been reflecting. um, I I recently rewatched season four of Discovery with my fiance. um, And and I reflected again while watching that, that uh, uh, Saru's would-be girlfriend, Tarina, plays her Vulcanness a little differently from some of the other Vulcans that we've seen in Star Trek history. Uh, beginning with Leonard Nimoy's Spock, I think the the idea was always that Vulcans are completely unemotional. They completely suppress and repress their emotions, and that it's as if they have no emotions, like Data. But I don't get that vibe from Tarina. It seems to me more like uh, she has all the emotions that a that a human would have. They're just very dialed down. Mm. Yeah. Like they're, it's like they're there. It's just like where, where every other species would have them at a 10. She's got them at like a, maybe a two or a three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that that's interesting to me. And it seems to me like a valid way to play a Vulcan. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, there are people who, people who are good at playing Vulcans and people we won't name who, who are just bad at playing Vulcans. Um, or maybe we will name them. But, <laughs> 
Name him. Well, uh, there was what? What's his name with the high command in Enterprise? Who? I can't believe you're thinking. Are you talking about Robert Foxworth? No, no. Uh, he's- uh, I, I forget. Well, I, I was thinking about the episodes, the Forge, and so forth. Are you talking about from the beginning of Enterprise? I She's guess. talking about the, the guy who's there for all four seasons. Oh, oh, the guy from Alienation. Thank you. Yeah, but, whose name we should know. Soval. So, Soval. What did you not like about his performance? I th- I thought he was actually good as a Vulcan. I I, th- I think he just he played his Vulcanness as if, um, as if someone had just had just uh, peed in his or his Cheerios, <laughs> all the time. It's like he was continually just uh, irritated and <laughs> and low low grade angry and. <laughs> So instead of having a low level of multiple emotions, he had a slightly elevated level of only anger. Exactly. It's like every one emotion. (laughs) Every other emotion was at a one, but Mm. irritation was at 11. (laughs) (laughs) The Vulcans on Enterprise did seem pretty quick to anger, just sort of across the board. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It seems like you get a lot more just, like you said, irritable, but also just angry Vulcans in Enterprise. They get pissed off easily. Yeah. Right. But it's funny that, that Keith mentioned the ones in uh, that that Vulcan trilogy in mm-hmm. season four, because I really did find most of them, and especially the guy who was like the the ultimate whoever he was on the council, to be really, really not Vulcan. Agreed. You know, Agreed. they just didn't like like nobody briefed them on what it means to play a Vulcan. Mm. Yes, you know? right. Yes, they had. I agree with you completely, Alan. It was uh, because they. They look like they had on the costumes, but you're right. But they were emotional and they were they were petty and they didn't play the they didn't play Vulcans with the subtlety. Now, what they might try to say is at that time, the Vulcan um, hewing to logic was almost almost, you know, left the Vulcans because the whole thing when um, Archer found the Kishara and found the writings of Serac, Serac, I always get Serac and Serac, Serac again. And so. Yeah, so maybe that was their excuse, but I agree. It literally came off like they just took some actors and put some costumes on and said, here, go be a Vulcan, and it didn't. <laughs> right. I've never it's- seen it, but from what I hear, like I'm not sure they even told them Vulcan. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> You're here, put this costume on. <laughs> We're going to put here, these things on your ears. Yeah. And well, read your say these words. <laughs> you have me at a disadvantage, and maybe this is... Uh, an indication that I shouldn't have brought this topic in the first place, but I haven't <laughs> seen I haven't seen season four of Enterprise. <gasps> oh, you like it? You Me like neither. It. In fact, I'm just now finishing up season one. Yeah. Um, okay. okay. Yeah, we won't spoil it. You'll like it. Well, let me ask. I think it's an interesting point you're making because it's so funny when you play a being that's supposed to be emotionless. The last thing you're supposed to do is play a being without emotions. And I think to your point is anybody who's ever played, like anytime we've ever seen somebody play a robot or an Android or being without emotions, when they 100% have no emotions, no inflection in their voices, no raise of an eyebrow, nothing, we don't buy it. And so to your point, even though Leonard Nimoy played a supposedly emotionless Vulcan, he had quirks. He had, you, you saw that. He had personality. Personality, right. Mm-hmm. I, uh, Jolene Blaylock, who I actually think did a really good job playing to Paul for the most part, same thing. Um, I think that um, Tuvok, Tim Russ playing Tuvok also did a, a really good job playing a Vulcan. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't even thought about what you're saying about uh, Saru's, I guess, girlfriend 
But I also wonder if it's because it's in the future and they've also had a lot of time with the Romulans. Mm-hmm. I wonder That's what I was what thinking as well. Yeah. If, like <clears throat> instead of being at like a simmering at a one, they've they've raised up over the last couple hundred years yeah. to a to right. a high two. Yeah. And you just <laughs> yeah. see on that episode uh, was it Unification Three where they went mm-hmm. back to Vulcan and they had the mm-hmm. the sort of sciency trial, and you had the Vulcan, the Romulan, and then the Romulan Vulcan, they creatively named them. Um, (laughs) But you had like the guy playing the Vulcan, and I don't remember that Vulcan's name offhand, but he was great. And he was very, (laughs) like very Vulcan. You know, mm-hmm. but then you had the the Romulan guy who was more emotional, and the so it seems like that the, the culture at that point on there may be more intermingling. There, you know, they're they're, yeah. they're not just sure. Vulcans living on Navarre. That they may have a lot of different influences and different people who are interpreting what it means to be a Vulcan or be a Romulan differently. Mm-hmm. Right, and I think um, I think we have the potential to explore that more in coming seasons of Strange New Worlds. Mm. Yeah, uh, because al- already we've seen subtle differences uh, between Tpring and Spock in their approach mm. in their approach to mm-hmm. to uh, yep. their understanding of Surak's teachings. We're getting some hints, in fact, that there are, there are differences even within Vulcan society, as of course there would be. Um, mm-hmm. and, and of course, they've they've also brought back Cybok, mm-hmm. uh, who rejects Surak's teachings entirely. Um, uh, and they've they've re- they've in- invoked the uh, Vitashka tour. Wow, I probably yeah, mispronounced it. Which are, who were originally introduced in uh, in season one of Enterprise in an episode I recently watched. So um, okay, uh, what are you laughing at, Alan? <laughs> it's fresh in your memory. <laughs> it is fresh in my memory. I make no apologies for that. I didn't say you should apologize. <laughs> I think that's interesting, Randy, about what you're saying about the, uh, because I, let's just say, I t- I've taken some notes on Spock's behavior. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's just, I'll leave it there. Uh, so, because I, I, I'm, I have some objections with how Spock is being betrayed in Strange New Worlds, but I find very interesting, you know, what, what we're talking about is there's different portrayals of Vulcans over the years. So do you think it's, do you think it's the actors? Do you think it's the writers? Do you think it's almost a conscious effort of just saying this is how the Vulcan? Well, they couldn't have a conscious effort. Is it kind of showing how Vulcans may have evolved over the years? Um, I think you're imparting more intentionality to the writers than is yes. there. Yeah, because yeah, they couldn't have coordinated that well. Uh, but I, as 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 far as there being like a centuries long arc to the to how their how the species is. Bist- portrayed but i think it's partly the actors and i think it's mm-hmm. partly partly the writing i think especially in strange new worlds it's a lot of the writing them yeah trying to figure out okay where would the vulcan emotion level be at this time i think they're doing right. a lot mm-hmm. more of that in right. the new trek than they were ever mm-hmm. before i agree particularly on strange new worlds because mm-hmm. they're mainly writing for one particular vulcan to show that one vulcan's progress from where we see him now to where we will where we know he will be 10 years from now right mm-hmm. yeah yeah i definitely think they're they're very being very deliberate with spock's portrayal Absolutely. with ethan peck but also in the way that he's written in the way the pring is being written more so than you know maybe yeah. in a random episode of ds9 you know when you have someone who's playing a vulcan and they just play the vulcan yeah they're at that right. point where they're just cranking out a factory of episodes it's like <laughs> the ears are on go say the lines you know right. exactly but i mean most of star trek continuity is just crap that was made up by fans to explain mm-hmm. things on the show so i don't have any harm either in looking at it in universe you know exactly I mean, you, you look exactly. at the, the enterprise vulcans and think that 
you know, this, these are Vulcans who they're no longer doing mind melds. They've left behind a lot of their ancient traditions and mm -hmm. haven't come back to them yet. Uh, maybe that would have something to do with them uh, and the way they act. Maybe they're just, they're just further from the teachings of Surak than, you know, other yeah. Vulcans would be. Right. And, you know, you guys just maybe think about something, too, what it, what it comes down to is you you get what you bring to it. Because I, I thought of something very interesting you just said there, Charles, which was, yeah, the uh, Vulcans of Enterprise, which Alan and I love, they were slipping in their logic. But and even the ones who were, I, I guess you could say, were still holding to the tenets of logic, they were arrogant assholes in Enterprise. There's just no <laughs> way. To, most of the Vulcans were arrogant as heck. And they were even more arrogant than they were in the original series. I mean, they were, I mean, they were just like contemptuous. Uh, there was one episode. Well, sure. Where, I mean, really <laughs> bad. And mm -hmm. I actually... And I actually kind of like that, even though in a way, contempt and arrogance are types of emotional emotions. But I actually like them. And it's funny because to me, those Vulcans acting arrogant and contemptuous like that kind of made sense in the world of what Enterprise was presenting. I am frankly struggling with Spock and Tupring in Strange New Worlds. And so it's funny because I think I'm bringing my biases and my expectations of Vulcans to it. It's almost as if to me, if Vulcans going to show any kind of emotions, I expect them to either be coolly arrogant and contemptuous or go all the way on the other side and be violent. And mm. some of the portrayals mm. in between, I am actually struggling with. So I'm having to reassess now how I feel about Vulcan portrayals across the years. Hmm. But I, I think that Spock is still at that point where he's trying to figure out, am I Vulcan, am I human, mm -hmm. or right. am I Spock? And if I'm Spock, mm. what does that mean? Mm -hmm. So I think we are going to see some variations in however many seasons uh, Stranger Worlds runs, we're going to see some variations in his presentation mm -hmm. as right. Spock like evolves in his understanding, his sort of self-evaluation. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. When you were saying those words, Alan, I was picturing Spock singing and I really hope they do a musical episode <laughs> next season because that would be hilarious. Oh my God. I hate shows that do musical episodes. You don't like Buffy? That is the one exception. Okay. <laughs> As long as he sings Maiden Wine, because I, <laughs> that's Spock's yes. signature tune. Oh, gosh. Yes. <laughs> Didn't Spock sing in that short trek with. Uh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. He did. Number yeah. one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and speaking of Spock, I mean, they're, you know, he's sort of exploring himself, like you said. I mean, just a few episodes ago, they had um, Angel come on, or as Dr. Aspen at that time, and introduced the idea mm -hmm. that it doesn't have to be a binary. Like, you don't have right. to be one or the other. You can just sort of find where you fall in between or or outside the boundaries of both, you know, yeah, right. um, which I think is going to be important to Spock later on, because that's sort of what he does as he mm -hmm. gets older. And, um, and, if you, and if you can't take advice from a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Man, I'm going to come across like the stick of the mud who won't yield. But every week I'm writing, I got to be honest, I'm writing my notes. Vulcans do not cry out like that. Even Spock wouldn't. This, ah! It doesn't work for me. That's just not what Vulcan's because, doing. I'm struggling with that. I, I, because you're basing that on the Spock that you know that's at least 10 years older than what you're seeing now. Right? Yeah, but, but see, here I go. This is why I'm really dating myself now. I'm, I'm also basing this on the fact that Vulcan children go to the forge at age seven and fight yeah. lizard creatures and stuff. And so I just, that Spock saying, like, I let rage, I'm jumping ahead, but like, Letting rage my heart and stuff. <laughs> yeah, so I'm actually I'm actually struggling with this portrayal of Vulcans in this series, which is so weird. And, and I'm, I've liked the other ones around it, even in Discovery. I'm okay with this yeah. version. I'm actually struggling with. So, that's, so that's a, it's a fascinating topic. So is this more out of character for you for Spock than yelling pain? <laughs> <laughs> 
of the ages. The altar of tomorrow. Yeah. Well, see, that one at least he was merging with another being. I was okay with it. Okay. <laughs> it's that other being's fault. Yeah. Yeah. But if I know the new Trek writers, because, and I've said, Vanny Beck, you may have heard, I've said this every episode, they find those little gaps where they can say, well, nobody said such and such, and they drive a truck through it. They will probably throw this in my face and say, dude, Spock was straight up smiling and laughing on that episode with those singing plant leave things. And so they will probably say, that's the Spock we're capturing right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then I'll have to shut up. <laughs> if you look at Spock in the cage and the Spock in where no man has gone before. Yes. And I yeah. think this Spock fits right in between them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yes. Me and the Spock up. And, the women. <laughs> and, and factoring in the conversation that he and number one had in the short trek, mm. it, it's all part of a big pattern. Hmm. Interesting. And when they when they call call you out, Keith, they will actually use your name. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be a line of dialogue directed to Keith. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ethan Peck will just turn to camera. Happy Keith. <laughs> <laughs> so, Vandy Beth, do you like um, the Discovery portrayal that you mentioned? That you got you thinking about this, her portrayal as a Vulcan? I, I do. I like her a lot. Uh, she seems... She seems true to life. She seems uh, yeah. to act the way a Vulcan might act. Just she's making seems like the actress is making different choices mm-hmm. than than what we've we've typically seen. Um, yeah. And before before we leave this topic, I did want, also want to to make a note about Tuvok. Um, I recently finished my rewatch of Voyager, and okay. the first time I watched Voyager, I didn't think Tim Russ was doing a very good job. Mm-hmm as um as as a vulcan um and i don't remember what made me think that at the time but on this rewatch i had i gained a new appreciation for him um there were i still i think some problems with the writing of the character but i think tim russell's portrayal was was really good and he was yeah he gave us a vulcan who was not like any other vulcan we've ever seen before since i i think uh, when they try to have a humorous moment with a Vulcan. It's at the expense of that Vulcan. The other characters are making mm-hmm. fun of the, yeah. the, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Vulcan's yeah. humorlessness or something like that. But Tuvok himself was actually quite a sassy bitch. Yes, he was. <laughs> I love Tuvok. And I really, really love Tim Russ's portrayal. And I have dared upon occasion to say that he was my favorite Vulcan. Wow. What? What? I think he was, I think he was spectacular. I loved him. Wow. Mm-hmm. Some yeah. recent Vulcans that I really liked were um, in Wedge Dutch on the Vulcan. I, was just gonna say yes. the thing. I thought their portrayal was great and very Vulcan, but yep. they're hilarious. Yes. But it was it was also a very very flat. It was very performance. Flat. It was incredible. Yeah. Like like nothing. There was no variation. But I think that added to the humor. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think so in too. the situation that they're in. So yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But the thing I was going to follow up with Vandy Beth and Alan was saying about Tuvok. What I find very interesting is there is an episode where Tuvok is stranded on a planet. One of those things where time was traveling really fast. And I forget the name of the actress. I should know. It's the actress who starred in Tank Girl, the movie. Yeah, Lori Petty. 
Yeah, Lori Petty. And in that episode, there are flashbacks, which turns out that Tuvok, as a young man, struggled with logic. As a matter of fact, he lost control of his emotions. He had fallen mm. in love with a girl at school and he was acting out and he had to go to specific, um, I almost said training. He had to have a specific counseling because his his logic was spinning out of control. His emotions were threatening to override him. And I think in some ways that may be why sometimes you could explain it, you know, use that as an excuse. Sometimes he comes off as a very stiff Vulcan compared to, say, Spock. But then he does have that, you're right, Nandy, but he has that emotional side to him. And then you find out that he struggled mightily with getting his logic under control, mm-hmm. uh, which makes him a very interesting character indeed. Yeah. I mean, even if, you, even if, if you're a Vulcan, say, right. and... I mean, there's going to be individual differences. There may be different regional differences between how Vulcans behave, but also it's sort of your external influence as well. I mean, Mm -hmm. you've got Tuvok who's sort of on a ship with nothing but nobody. I mean, there's like one other Vulcan, Vorik, I think was on the ship. Um, Other than that, Mm -hmm. he's the only Vulcan out there. And Vorik's, you know, not on every episode. But then, like you're talking about how the the Vulcans on Enterprise just always seem really irritated. But also, I mean, they're dealing with humans. They're not used to it. You know, like I've right. been doing humans my whole life, and I get pretty irritated a lot. So I imagine how they feel. <laughs> and they said we stank. Also, there was always yeah. those little jokes about that. How we, like, how do you stand the smell? Yeah. They're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> They're really not. Humans are the worst. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get a quick break to promote a fellow ESO Network podcast show, and then when we get back, we'll be talking about the latest episode of Star Trek: Strange New Worlds. So stay right there. Coming this summer to a podcast near you, be prepared for the return of the Jedi. No, the return of the King. No, the return of Swamp Thing. You are such an idiot. The return of Oh, 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 the Monster Sci-Fi Show. Yes, it's coming back and it's about time. The Monster Sci-Fi Show is part of the Rebel Alliance, part of your complete breakfast and part of the ESO network. It's sci-fi from a certain point of view. All right. Well, thank you. I was waiting to make sure you were done. I don't know how long that was going. You need to get an air horn, Charles, and start doing the air horn and then let her go. That's going to mess up my level so bad. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Specifically, we're talking about Star Trek Strange New Worlds, All Those Who Wander, uh, the latest episode. So uh, I guess everybody watched it today. What do you think? Was there an episode today? There was. It was creepy. You're about to get spoiled. (laughs) You didn't hear the alert? I didn't hear the alert. Oh, no. I'm going to say this and then I'm going to sit back. I both liked and disliked it at the same time. Of course you did. Yes. <laughs> but, at yeah. least, but at least you like partially liked it. Yeah. Because yeah. apparently yeah. last week it was just like, Bleh. oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought about it last week again. And I really I will never watch that again. Uh, <laughs> I liked and disliked this one. And I, I tell you, I came at it with the same. I really did come at it with the same approach I have for the J.J. Abrams movies. I like them, enjoy them. I like the action, the blah, blah, blah. But because they just don't, I don't love them as quote unquote Star Trek. This one, I liked it, but so much of it, I felt was so obvious. It was so canon twisting that mm. I kind of didn't like it. It's I was like going to say, uh, my mm-hmm. prediction is that you weren't going to like it because they did even more with the Gorn yeah. than they yeah. did before. 
Yeah. It's like, just going back to Enterprise real quick, there's an episode of the Enterprise, no spoilers, the episode of the Enterprise with a board come back for a weird reason. Mm -hmm. That episode troubles me conceptually, but it's a great episode. It's a fun episode. So this episode tonight conceptually troubled me, but I still enjoyed the heck out of it. Okay. Okay. How about you, Veronica? It was scary, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to have born nightmares. (laughs) Oh, no. All right, Charles. So no jokes, no hissing and stuff for fun tonight. (laughs) Right. No, I'll never get to sleep. Vanny, how did you like this episode? How have you been enjoying Strange New Worlds so far? I've I've been loving Strange New Worlds, and uh, especially Pike, um, and especially uh, number one, and especially uh, i'm i'm just gonna say especially gonna say name every character you. yeah <laughs> um and i can't believe they i can't believe they did what they did i know yeah. um yeah. did any objection did, did that did that leak did anybody know that was going no. to happen no. no clue because just last week alan and charles specifically said we don't see him much enough on the show where was he yeah so i, I sure as hell didn't expect this <laughs> yeah exactly and they keep laying those little like seeds of things that i wanted to see explored and tonight um he you know like the last time we heard anything from him really was about mm-hmm. his his whole concept of pacifism mm-hmm. you yeah. know which is a line that i pointed out last time we reviewed a, mm-hmm. you know a himmer episode not Himmler, Himmer. <laughs> I learned my lesson. <laughs> Sorry, slip of the tongue. But in this one, he said, um, okay, they're talking about being trapped in a room with uh, one of the baby Gorn. And he says, right. I won't be the one to kill it, but I will do what I must to protect the lives of this crew. I find that so interesting because I want to see him put in that situation. Mm-hmm. It felt like they're leading up to and of course, what they mean is he'll sacrifice himself if he has to, but mm-hmm. that's not what I wanted. That's not what I felt like they were leading up to. I want to see him in a situation where he has to make that choice. He has to make that sort of like on the spot. Am I going to kill something or am I going to let this thing kill Uhura or something mm-hmm. like that? Yeah. And they mm-hmm. never got there. No. And he said that tonight. And I thought, oh man, good. They're leading up. You know, it might not be next season, but they're leading this, you know, still leading it somewhere. Nope. Mm-hmm. Out the window. Literally. <laughs> uh, even up until the end, I was thinking, okay, they've established that the cold kills the Gorn and yeah, they've established right. that the cold is his native environment and how he's going right. to go outside. So he can yeah. just go outside and it'll be Me cold too. enough that the Gorn yeah. will die and he'll be fine. And he'll be like, I'm good guys. Yeah. Why is everybody so upset? But I, you know, I like, so too. off the cliff. I mean, that made, that yeah. would have made sense. Yeah. Even if they had to let him like wait out there for, yeah, you know, yeah. a day or two, he'd yeah. be fine. Yeah. yeah, I can think of three or four different ways they could have handled that. Yeah. Other yeah. other other than him sacrificing himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't I I don't think the death was earned. Um I felt that yeah. I, and I think what again with Alan you said this last week and this happens. I mean, you know, it's kind of like what's his face um the guy behind Firefly and Serenity and stuff, Josh Wheaton. Josh Wheaton always said, you know, he Joss. found it great Josh Wheaton. He found it difficult to give you properties where you didn't kill somebody that people love because he yeah. felt like it was a fantasy. So on one end, you celebrate this, but I also don't think I spent enough time with well, him. So that yeah. I, it, it was earned. I just That's exactly it. right. He mm-hmm. wasn't on the show enough. Had yeah. they killed off Uhura, yeah. that would have meant something, but they can't do that, obviously. Right. There's only right. a certain few of these characters that they could have done this with. 
Right. And, you know, uh, it, it just frustrates me that we have talked before about not getting yeah. any Hemmer. Mm-hmm. And then they just throw him out the window. Literally. <laughs> I might, I might do that a couple more times. Yeah. <laughs> I think one of the things is that we have never had, and, and really we've never had um, as robustly since the original series, the original series did an amazing job of introducing a person of the week who could get killed or hurt, you know, ge- a geologist demoto demoto or someone or the, the the young the two security officers in the episode with the Kelvins where they turned into cues and they crushed one, which is the young lady. They did that this special. episode a little bit though. They did mm-hmm. at the very well, beginning. They're like. Here's this yeah, other ensign, right. and here's they this ensign that's them. getting promoted. I was yep. like, immediately, those are going to die. They're going to die. They're gone. But I was hope, but I was, but yeah, but I was hoping they could have left Hemmer. Okay, now you got to be Hemmer, Hemmer, <laughs> not Himmler, Hemmer. I was hoping they could have left him alone for that because I just, yeah. I wrote, I just wrote my notes as we barely knew him, and I know that's supposed to be the shock of it, but I just, I, I really felt like I was almost being emotionally manipulated, manipulated. 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 Yeah. There you go. And and I really just wondered that the actor want pull a Denise Crosby and want no. to leave. No. This so was planned honestly, from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, watch Ready Room. He was told yeah. this is a one season gig. Uh, I think it's bogus. I don't think that was. I think I think they handled it badly. But that's well, me. if it was a, if it was a one season gig, then and he was actually used in the season. Then, right. Yeah, then do something right. with him in the season. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah. So. I I get how they want to kill characters. To build drama, and they're, what they're up against with this show is the idea of it's a prequel. We know how it's going to end. Like right, even right. on this on this mission, we know that five of the people or whatever are going to be right. fine because they're on the original series. So they're trying yeah. to build the stakes, but it seems like they they keep having this situation where they they want to kill a character and it's going to be a beloved character, but it'll be in this case the first blind actor to ever be on Star Trek, right? And his fourth appearance dead. I mean, you had yeah. the same sort of thing with Wilson Cruz and Discovery. You had the the same sort mm. of thing with um when Gray. On Discovery, you know, yeah. it, where it's like, the, you know, we're all excited because they're, we're championing this, the, the the first of, you know, the various groups who, to appear on Star Trek dead, you know, yeah. and it's like, would you right. stop it? You know, yeah. like, yeah, I, I don't guess Hammer was ever in the Masilo network or anything. We can't, <laughs> we can't just get him back. Yeah, we'll get the mushroom Hammer next season. <laughs> right. And I will say not to just criticize. I think Alan said something that really got me thinking I hadn't thought about when we which we got from the Enterprise. Which was the how do you pronounce the race? Their species, Anir? Enar. Enar. The Enar. It's a big deal, even more so than for a Vulcan for probably an Enar to be in Starfleet. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. they're pretty much always going to be in position where they gotta kill somebody. Yeah. Um, you know, and even if he doesn't fire a weapon, just running the engines that fire the phasers and the photon torpedoes mm-hmm. could be interpreted as contributing to killing. It's kind of oh, like that's a good point. Mm-hmm. And so back to what you're saying, Ellen, I really wanted to see more of that explored. And yeah. I and I'm sitting there going, oh, okay, now they're finally, I actually wrote my notes, this is no lie. Alan and Charles mentioned this last week. I'm like, oh, we're finally going to get to explore his, and then my next line is, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> right? Literally my notes, what? Wait, wait a minute. The, the, the right. pen just goes down the page. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but also, uh, back to what you're saying, it's, it is a big deal for there to be an Enar in Starfleet because yeah. just a few years earlier in Enterprise, they were considered an extinct species. It was a surprise to find that there were any of them alive. So the fact that one of them ends up in Starfleet is really cool. And I would like to have seen that explored too. Yeah. Agreed. One thing I do like about it. um, I don't really like that Hammer died, but as far as the storyline goes, is that you've had, you know, Hura has been looking for her place. And then he sort of emerged as, uh, 
as a inspiration to her, as a mentor to her, and then gave her some stage advice. And then she witnessed him dying. And now you can sort of imagine that this is sort of the thing that, that drives Uhura and keeps her in Starfleet. And, you know, 25 years later on the Enterprise, maybe she's thinking about this, you know, yeah. that she's trying to live up to his expectations or not his expectations even, but just sort of what he inspired her to do. What yeah, she, the what she witnessed. That he said. Yeah. yeah. I just wish that it wasn't like, what is this? His fourth episode he was in. <laughs> Isn't that yeah. sad? Yeah. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, fifth, if you count him walking into the, like the very last 30 seconds of the first episode. <laughs> no. Right. I know. I don't count that either. <laughs> I count that. Um, <laughs> he, he got paid for that. <laughs> yeah. His accountant counted it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's so, talk about well, some of the rest of the episode. <laughs> yeah. Wait, other yeah. stuff happened? Yeah. Yeah. The plot of Aliens. Right. <laughs> Basically. And they used puppets. That were puppets. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was super cool. Mm-hmm. Yes. I also like that uh, we've had two Gorn episodes this season, and both of them were like very specific genres. One was the submarine, yeah. you know, battle. And this mm-hmm. one was mm-hmm. Aliens, the horror movie. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. it's really cool that they've done that, you know, that they set a, a, a different tone with these mm-hmm. episodes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think the horror element was well done. Yeah. You know, like I said, I wouldn't say this was an original episode, right. no. but uh, I like the use of puppetry. Of course. Um, I like the, mm-hmm. the animatronic alien guy. They've done that once before on this season that I can think of. Uh, but right. I love that. I love that just having a, a more alien guy come out, I think works great. And I love that it's practical. Um, right. You know, I think that, right. The, the I think these, these Gorn are going to hold up over time better than say the Gorn and enterprise has. Really? Full <laughs> <Bold> take. <laughs> there was a Gorn in Enterprise. Uh, I don't want to spoil it. It was a. It was yeah. You'll get there. I'll it's let it CGI. Spoil it. And it's, yeah. And but you know what? It's interesting. Is that I think these puppets look more along the lines of the design yeah. of the Enterprise one mm-hmm. than they yeah. do the rubber suit guy. Yeah. So I think that's really an interesting choice on their part. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe mm-hmm. he, they evolved into the rubber suit guy i don't know like in their life cycle yeah that's what i was thinking is that was the mature gorn and these are the right. infants right. the one in enterprise was much more dinosaurish yeah and sort of spindle more spindly yeah they yeah, don't yeah. want to look at a guy in a suit they're all trying to get away from the guy in the suit look <laughs> exactly um, which i think the guy in the suit i think my favorite gorn still so i, I love that guy in the suit but I actually so do i i yeah. like that guy he was yeah, cool. on the ready room they're making fun of the guy in the suit and i'm like why well, he, he's great I like him. It was awesome. People remember him 55 years later. We'll see yeah. what happens. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know? They don't right. remember the CGI Gorn. <laughs> but no. they, they sort of introduced the idea, too, that the Gorn, uh, like, they, for instance, they develop faster depending on what host they're in. And so they may be taking yeah. other physical characteristics as well based mm. upon mm. what host. So that could be an explanation there for why various Gorn. That's a good point. Yeah, that's interesting. That's point. I didn't think about that. Yeah. And that's wow. again. That's again like the xenomorph mm-hmm. xenomorphs in the alien That's movies. That's true. Oh yep. yeah. So th- these puppets had like the two like kind of shoulder ridges behind, mm-hmm. them, which kind of looked like the the big head ridge on the alien that they were birthed from. Mm. Mm. But yeah. maybe you're right. Mm. Yeah, that could be. Ooh, you have unlocked you a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> now I just need to find out what. What was the host for that Gorn in the top hat on Lower Decks <laughs> officiating that Gorn wedding? <laughs> I want to see what character, where he got those characteristics from. <laughs> well, he probably wasn't born with the top hat. You don't know that. I don't, but, but I'm saying probably. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought that the, the horror elements were fine. It was the, the plot to me. I mean, they're, they're showing, all right, so they're going to this planet, right? There's a distress signal that the ship had an emergency landing. So, but they also have to go to space station K seven, which I, I enjoy hearing space station K seven mentioned, but so yeah, they're but like I'm disappointed. We didn't get to see it. I know me too, but they're like, all right, you, you guys go ahead and we'll take these two shuttles down. There's a crew of 99 people down there. Like, what are you going to do if you get down there and they need to be evacuated? Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Well, wasn't their mission to get the Peregrine operational again? Well, yeah, but they don't know the, the circumstances about why it's on this planet. You know, they, they just that it had an emergency landing. Yeah, well, obviously they were optimistic <laughs> that they could get the ship running again. It's gonna be, he he did they, say it's going to be fine. <laughs> he they did. wouldn't need to pack everybody into the shuttles. To me, it's fine. It was my first day as a lieutenant, and I'm going on the mission with the captain to the dead zone planet, and he's like, it's going to be fine. See you guys later. <laughs> I, bye, everybody. <laughs> yeah. I got no yeah. chance. <laughs> right. But also, it would have been nice had we ever seen this guy that had got promoted and had At been told point. he was an exemplary off officer if we had ever seen him before. Yeah. Now, speaking of that, this is off topic, but I was noticing in the closing credits that Kyle was listed. I didn't see him. Was he in the, the captain's party and just in the background somewhere? Maybe, or, yeah, or maybe in the funeral scene. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't maybe. remember seeing him there. They didn't yeah. beam any place. But no. Yeah. <laughs> and he yeah. wasn't he wasn't there to have to be mean to anybody. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see him anywhere either. I found it an enjoyable episode. I am um I am I'm gonna have to watch it again. I am completely churning over the the Gorn portrayal because as we we're saying, they had they had so many freaking abilities as xenomorphs that they're so different from anything I've ever seen at the zone. Not only that they spit acid, but they I don't want to be indelicate, but they spit seminal fluid acid. Uh, yes. <laughs> And then they can't be detected by sensors. Right. And, right. I mean, they, they've turned them into like super beings. And yeah. that, yeah, I'm getting basically. adjusted to that. I'm really getting who, adjusted to that. Who, who amongst us, Keith? <laughs> Don't <win. laughs> I was just writing down all their powers and abilities. Like, wait, now they're sensor invisible? Holy crap. Yeah, and they're There's telepath no proof. There yeah. is no yeah, way. Telepath proof. <laughs> that we now, what you said, Charles, now about maybe different hosts caused different Gorn. That is not the Gorn Kirk fault because that thing was slow. Yeah, and it just walked around like, hiz, hiz, hiz. yeah. Basically. And remember, remember, Kirk was like two feet from it, and his hand reached toward him, and Kirk just kind of stepped back. <laughs> um, that ain't the same Gorn. <laughs> I, I did like when Laon said we would stand no chance against an adult Gorn. I was like, ah, ah. if only you had a cannon. what what, what we don't know is that the one that kirk fought was actually like a 90 year old grandfather yeah he wasn't like prime condition you know good point see i enjoyed it but i i really i'm having to get my mind adjusted on because the gorn was so different to what i was expecting even um again um akiva goldsmith Mm -hmm. goldsmith goldsmith Goldsman. Yeah, I've said like this is my third time saying this when I read the interview with him. He said, We will try to follow canon, except when we want to tell a good story, then we right. follow canon. And he, for some reason, something always tick, you know, tickles somebody's fancy. Ever since he was a kid, he loved the Gorn. But his, his this is all Akiva, his mind canon from the Gorn since he was a kid was that they were, in his words, pure evil. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't want them to be a redemptive race at all. 
So this is what we're crafting. He just wants them to be the monster, the the thing that you can find no common ground with. He and indi- he indicated that again on on the Ready Room this week. Um, that, oh, that he's un- unlike other alien species who are sort of facets of humanity. The Gorn right. are pure evil. Which I mean, the whole point of Arena, if you maybe he didn't so watch it to the end but at the end <laughs> like there's a moral and yeah. the gorn have a point of view as well now the gorn were pretty ruthless in that episode absolutely and, i oh. mean it would take a long way to get to a common ground with them but they yeah. they had their own perspective yeah and that was sort of the key in that episode was let's try to understand them yeah. And, yeah. and take it from there now you may still never have peace with them who knows i mean i mean i i Mm-hmm. That that I thought about that tonight because just a few months ago we did a, an episode about the monster episodes of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. This is very much a monster episode, mm-hmm. but uh, one of the key elements of a Star Trek monster episode to me is that bit at the end where you realize the monster is not a monster after all, and we don't get right. that in this episode. There's mm-hmm. no right. understand. There's just kill them with ice, you know, kill them however you can, right. um, smash it once it's dead, you know. But there's yeah. but there's no <laughs> understanding that. I mean, at some point, I, I kind of expect somebody to say, well, these are sentient beings and infants of mm, yes. a, a sentient species, you know, like right. maybe they don't understand what they're doing. Is there any way we can? I mean, if Sp- I almost said if Spock were there, but if <laughs> original Spock were there, he'd have been the one saying we have to capture them. Like, yeah, he'd have been the one telling Kirk not to kill them. Yeah. But at the same time, what we're seeing of them is pure animalistic yeah we're yeah. not seeing what seems to be sentient beings but we sure. see instinctual beings right yeah. and so i don't think that they really understand what it is that they're you know are these i mean we know that they're that we have seen spaceships yeah. we know that they can build spaceships right. so but i don't know it's like it was like when the ones that we're seeing this week they are they're confronted with something that's basically instinctually going to kill them mm. So they're right. they're fighting it a different way than they would have in the previous episode, and it's possible too that they're just doing a longer arc than what I'm accustomed to. Like That's this what monster story is yeah. more than just this yeah. episode. That at some point, yeah, they're gonna realize uh, sort of that. I don't. I, I wouldn't expect them to get to know the Gorn that well because that sort of mm-hmm. kills Arena. But to have some sort of understanding or some sort of realization that these are not just that they're not just evil, right? I'll tell you who does understand them, and that's La'on. She has an extraordinary knowledge of their life cycle and their biology. And uh, like, what is where is she getting all this from? Until she doesn't. Until she doesn't. Right. And she doesn't know how they actually reproduce. But her brother died that way. But she doesn't know (laughs) how her brother got the Gorn babies inside of him. I mean, she was a kid, you know. Yeah. And I mean, learning, learning the human way takes you a little bit of time, but I mean, the, the, the Gord ways, you know, no time to, no time to pick that up, I guess. No. If this is an aliens movie, then La'an is Ripley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's the one telling the Marines um, all about this creature. Right. Um, and, and Oriana is Newt. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's almost a, a direct yep. parallel. It really but, is. Yeah. But La'an, La'an is sort of also like, Newt, who then grew up into Ripley, mm. mm-hmm. given yeah. her given her personal sure, yeah. her personal history. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Charles, you mentioned about the maybe this is a long arc to arc to not maybe redemption, but at least understanding. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking about that. Man, it's going to have to be a really long arc because Leon has already said that they're vicious and violent as adults, 
And now, to your point about her having knowledge, Alan, she even talks about the fact that Gorn basically grab other species like spiders to breed their young in other species. Yep. So, yeah, that's going to be a heck of a long arc for that that species to be anything we can have any kind of common ground mm -hmm. with, yeah. um, which is interesting. And I don't well, know how I feel about that either. And, and I mean, and that may not happen on the show, but I mean, uh, yeah, it could be one of those things, too, where they, they begin it on Strange New Worlds yep. and then a thousand years later discovery shows the payoff of, yep. of the yeah. evolution of that you know yeah. like well, they've yeah. got the space in star trek now that they, they could do that if they wanted to exactly wow. that's the beauty yeah, of having be... all these different shows going in all these different time zones yeah can you that would be cool yeah. can you see being at starfleet academy and getting assigned a room with a gorn <laughs> You're like, i mean given what uh, i know no i would keep it cold in there <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and if they go to sleep you tell them to turn to turn away from you dude dog i don't want you well and i'm like that's just a, and that's a down the road i don't want to go <laughs> i just realized where that could go right Let's just have... <laughs> so what did y'all think overall did you like it the episode what did you think i like the how they had the characters interacting and the interpersonal relationships that were going on and how much Lieutenant mm -hmm. Kirk was like flipping out. <laughs> he was hilarious. Yeah. The yeah. confrontation between him and Spock was very well played, mm -hmm. I thought. Yeah. And it reminded me of like Mr. Boma. Me, I was just going to say. Yeah. I, oh God. I guess I got to be me. I just still don't like Kirk on the show. I just, I don't think he I belongs. don't see the point of him. I don't either. And he comes off. He is such a, he's such an obvious plant. And even though that, that thing with him and Spock was cool, I sat there going, wow, in this great irony that I just wanted, Kirk, uh, Samuel Kirk reports to Spock. Ha ha, what irony. Then one day Spock will report to his brother. And now Samuel Kirk is showing kind of sort of the prejudice against Spock that Bones showed. And then later on, Spock will have Kirk who will understand him better. I just don't, I just think Kirk doesn't work. I just think he could have been any other character, but not Sam Kirk. Other than that, I don't really care. So it's not like every time he appears on screen, I don't groan or anything. It's it's fine. It's fine. He just didn't do much for me. I think and we'll we'll do a wrap up. I know next week or whatever. I think who stunned me is Uhura mm -hmm. so far again, because I, I literally didn't have any expectations for her character. Just none. I did nothing, nothing. I didn't know what to expect. I'm liking her character. And that's pretty cool. Yep. Yeah, I do, too. I love it. I do yes, think this yeah. this episode. Yeah. They really did a good job of bringing those different character arcs and storylines yeah. and weaving them in. I think they're doing a good job of that, um, mm -hmm. which is the sort of thing they're talking about doing. There's a different, different story each week, but those character yeah. stories continue on. And I think that's that's working really well. So how did you overall like it, Vandy Beth? Did you love the, like the episode a lot? I, I did like it a lot. Uh, and I even think Hammer's death mostly mm -hmm. worked. I'm mm -hmm. disappointed that we didn't get more of him. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think I think they 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 earned it more or less okay. okay yeah it was very touching yeah yeah mm -hmm. all right um do we want to do a question of the week this week oh sure and this one um i've sort of had in in waiting it, it was one that i just found randomly on facebook somewhere it's not from one of our people but I just compiled a new list of ones from our uh, from our listeners. So I'm going to start those next week. Cool. But this one I found that I thought was a really interesting question. And maybe we'll save it for a topic instead. We'll have to see. Name a one-off TV villain you think should have gotten the con treatment, brought back in a movie, and turned into a major figure in Trektum. The Kelvins. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, the Kelvins, um, I'll say this real briefly. This is this is actually a topic I'd like to do, Alan, which is slightly different. I'd like to do a topic about most disappointing Trek episodes, as in they start off awesome and disappoint you toward the end. And by it in a name is almost at the top of my list because the first half of that episode, the Kelvins are freaking phenomenal and they're scary. And by the end of the episode, it's green and he's stimulating him. <laughs> but the Kelvins, as described, a race of eight, nine foot tall, multi-tentacled, multi-segmented giant insect creatures with minds so powerful that Spock's mind was almost blown. Technology still beyond what the Federation has, is able to get to Andromeda in 300 years, which means they're running like warp nine, you know, warp 9.95 for 300 years. And then the fact that at the end of the episode, Kirk naively, in my opinion, kind of said, we'll send a boy to the Andromeda galaxy with like a peace message and tell them y'all can come on back and be friends. That wasn't the mission of that ship. I would love to see the Kelvins brought back. Um, that could be an invading force that I'd like to see the Federation have to deal with. Mm. I want to see the aliens from Cat's Paw. <laughs> okay. Ah. Of course you do. Yeah. <laughs> they're doing puppets some... again. That's yeah. true. That's a very good point. But they're good points about them because they're one of those species which Spock loved to say all the time, which was they come from outside our galaxy. And their very laws of physics mm. and stuff were completely alien to ours. So yeah. treat it right. Yeah, they could be they could be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to see Cyrano Jones come back in a movie. <laughs> okay. Cyrano Jones. Yeah. Uh, selling a, a variety of triple that's um, uh, that's a marital aid. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh, okay. Man. Okay. That's so specific. Yes. <laughs> and yet I won't I won't get even more specific. Please I think do. You can all imagine think you can all imagine what I'm yeah, thinking. I don't think so. Well we've already talked about seminal acid, so <laughs> I'll say Flint, aka Methuselah, mm. uh, from Requiem from Methuselah, because he's, awesome. he's very intelligent, very long lived. Yes. Uh, sort yes. of mysterious, like uh, he's been all these people. He's got a very different perspective. Also, he builds robots and that could very easily um, I mean, be turned into robot armies or dealing with. I mean, he, he's kind of like a Sung type of character where he's he is obsessed with with creating. I mean, he's really he's just trying to build someone that will not he will have to watch die. And so it gives him that sort of tragic. He's like a like a like a comic book supervillain. It could be. Mm. I agree, and I've always wondered what happened to him, Charles, because at the end of the thing, uh, McCoy said that Flint was going to live the remainder of a normal human life, which could still be several decades. Mm. And he said that Flint intended to devote the rest of his life to the improvement of mankind. I remember McCoy even says, and who knows what he will accomplish. Um, In my head, Canon, given who Flint was, I have even thought about the fact that I could see Spock in some way visiting Flint or, you know, having some kind of continuing relationship with Flint going mm-hmm. forward. I would love to see mm. that. That's a good point. Yeah. Good, good pick. I think that if you, if you're thinking of a one-off villain and not constricting it, I mean, cause the example is Khan who started on television in a one appearance and then was brought right. back in a movie. But right. if you're thinking just of one-offs, I think I might have said Cybok, but too late. We're doing yeah. that already. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So I think my next pick would be the whoever the aliens are from the TNG season one episode conspiracy. Okay. Of course, you're right. I think that needs to come back at some point, And that could Agreed. be a discovery plot, a season long plot of this whole like mass invasion of whatever those things are taking over people and 
taking over Tarina and all this stuff and turning Tarina against whatever's next, Saru. And oh man, I think it'd be so awesome. I have another answer too. <laughs> okay. It, the um, hol- holographic aliens from, from Voyager. Voyager? Okay. From Chaotica? Yeah. Okay. Sweet. That'd be awesome. That would be awesome. Sure. Those guys are great. Yeah. Alan, back on what you're saying about um, about them, I agree because, as everybody knows, what became the Borg was what those creatures were supposed to be. I remember mm-hmm. the, the they, it was thought that they would be the big bad that would come back, especially mm-hmm. once the Ferengi didn't work out. And then they ended up with this thing with the Borg. And Remick, who, even though they blew his head open, um, remember he was sending a signal. Oh, yeah. And, and, exactly. And, and, yeah, and matter of fact, the show ended with the Enterprise guiding through space, and you heard the signal. Mm-hmm. And so you're right. What the heck? Yeah. Right. So they've got to be coming at some point, unless they just <laughs> said, "Oh, screw it." That's <laughs> 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 like way here, and the, and they're like, "Uh, it's too much trouble." It's super far. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. Maybe the message was to the Kelvins. That maybe. Ooh. I like Ooh. it. I like it. Yeah, there's something. That, yeah, something I will talk about about topics later. That you just said made me think of. Yeah, I agree. So, um, if anyone else has a question of the week that they would like to send us, be it something silly or something irreverent, just drop it in our inbox at EarthStationTrek at gmail.com or drop it on our Facebook group or wherever else you find us on Twitter or whatever. All right, well, Vanny Beth, thank you for joining us tonight. Where can people find more of you? Thank you for having me. It's always it's always a pleasure, always a lot of fun. Um, and I'm a stand-up. You can find me at Open Mic Nights around the Atlanta area. And I, I don't have a, a book show coming up uh, at the moment, but stay tuned on that as well. And I am also starting my own podcast. It's going to be about comedy and humor in science fiction across all media. Awesome. Uh, and the, ti- the title is Jettison Pod. <laughs> Um, which is an extremely nerdy uh, uh, Star Trek in joke. We get it here. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll be honest. The title occurred to me, and then I thought of a, a podcast that would go with it. And that's the way it works sometimes. Uh, I will have a co-host. I'm searching for a co-host right now, and I'm sure I will have all four of you as guests. Awesome. At various times, Yay. sometime in the future. Awesome. Yay. Mm-hmm. All right. And how, how about you, Alan? Uh, you can find me at cosmicpress.com that's k-o-z-m-i-c press.com or you can find cosmic press on facebook or twitter or instagram and i have another podcast that is called modern musicology so look for that and how about you keith you can find me on standard social media right now primarily instagram and twitter and how about us veronica nerdy.com or monkeying around a podcast about the monkeys that's right and do you have a closing for us this week no but alan does toss it to him another human drinking game does that number have no limit (laughs) it does not no it does not nope that was funny i I did chuckle at that i gotta admit thank you for listening to earth station trek if you enjoyed the show please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform give us a positive rating you can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com you can join in the fun on our facebook group or follow us on twitter You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. 
Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.